Okay. Chapter 11, The Doomsday Deadline. There was a murmur as Dracula strode through Baron Lundgren's study, his heavy boots echoing on the stone. Two menacing knights from the vaulted Order of the Dragon flanked the warlord. Heavily armed, they looked but ready for battle, and so did Dracula. Head held high, Vlad's black hair flowed over a green cloak draped upon his shoulders. There was something about the Dark Prince that sent shivers down the spines of everyone who had met him. Maybe it was his intense emerald eyes, or perhaps the way the air around him seemed to grow chill. Certainly, rumors of his past crimes, none of which could be substantiated outside of children's stories, left everyone with the feeling that crossing Vlad Dracula wouldn't be the last mistake one would ever make. Excuse me. As the dark... Dracula is not a children's story. Okay. At least the original one isn't. As the Dark Prince entered, all eyes turned to him. Some voices shouted with support. Some cried out in anger. The room was spilling with intrigue and heated arguments. Max was contemplating sneaking away as he noted that the only person who didn't seem shocked to see the Walkian prince, Walishian prince, was Baron Lundgren. Brooke's father rose easily from his chair as though merely greeting an old friend. Dracula, thank you for accepting my invitation, he offered. The room hushed. Upon whose authority did you invite this warmonger? Ulysses demanded, standing with indignation. How dare he? Okay, that's enough. What did I do? Baby, you didn't do anything, but this isn't performative. I okay? Know. Not, you're gonna, either going to listen to the book or you're going to go to bed. I'm just adding some commentary. I don't need you to add commentary. If you have a question, if there's something that you would want to talk about, then we can do that. But okay. all the gasps and the the repeating the yourself and... The performative stuff. I'll try not to do that, but if I have a question, I'll ask you. All right. I love you, Daddy. I love you, too. Uh, Upon whose authority did you invite this warmonger? Ulysses demanded, standing with indignation. My own, Baron Lundgren proclaimed. This is, after all, my house, and none may enter without my leave. This is Templar business, the Grand Seneschal argued, pointing at Vlad. Not a circus of freaks. Dracula remained silent, but his eyes seemed to flicker in response to the insult. The end concerns us all, countered Cain. Too much is at stake to act otherwise. So if you please, we shall get back to business. Indeed, Vlad's voice broke over the crowd, creeping into their minds and chilling their blood. And let the business be brief. I do not have time to waste with cowardly deliberation. The facts are apparent. The black wolves have the spear. They will use it to bring Ragnarok down upon our heads. We must stop them now. What you may call cowardice, others may well consider prudence, Baron Lundgren offered deftly, showing he wasn't necessarily in Dracula's camp. And we have not been idle argued one night, clad in crimson. The parlor was now filled with the newcomers Max had seen arrive earlier. Already our intelligence. I have my own intelligence, interrupted Dracula, waving away the comment. Every morsel of information you hold, I know of, and more. I have urged the Templar to action three times in as many months, yet you do nothing. 
The last statement was directed at Ulysses. You did the same with the Black Witch. Do you not remember? Were it not for me, she'd have destroyed you all by now. I alone overcame her, destroyed her fortress, and now she rots in my dungeon. You all owe me your lives and your allegiance. She's dying? The entire room erupted in chaos as Vlad stood there, unmoved by the shouts of anger. Wait. Yet some agreed with the warlord and didn't mind voicing as much. Yes. I thought the whole point is that she couldn't die. She's not dying, sweetie. She's just in his dungeon. Rotting. She's just in his dungeon. That's what he means. He doesn't mean she's dead and rotting. He just means that she's in his dungeon. She can't do anything. Okay. I wonder if they're using Vengestone chains to withhold the power. Um, maybe we'll find out. So, you urge us to march under your flag into battle? Interjected Ulysses as the voices faded. And after your defeat of the Black Wolves... I suppose the payment for your services will be the spear itself? Is that it? Vlad's eyes continued to flicker. Ulysses continued. You can relieve yourself of any such pretensions, Lord Dracula. The spear will never be yours. That is, unless we elect to trade one tyrant for another. Vlad strode across the hall with great purpose. Reaching Ulysses, he snarled. Know that the only reason I let you live is for the single hope that the others will finally see you for what you are. And what am I? Ulysses sneered in return. A tool of the enemy, Dracula spat. Ulysses' hand reached for his sword, though he was not foolish enough to draw. Are you calling me a traitor, sir? Dracula paused for a moment. Max wasn't sure if Vlad was taking the challenge seriously or not. While I admire the lack of regard you hold for your life, Dracula began smiling coldly. I find myself wondering why you're not so courageous in dealing with the enemy. There were snickers in the crowd. Because Sumner holds the spear, Ulysses snapped, his hand still on the hilt of his sword. Confronting you is one thing. There, at least, I'd only be risking my own life. Wait. I thought they used terms like caliber. Well, no, because that would be referring to... Never mind, they just resolved my own question. However, I'd be risking the lives of countless others if I were to challenge the power of the spear. You may be prepared to make this sacrifice, but I am not. Vlad said nothing. Again, the room fell into heated deliberation as Ulysses sat back down upon his leather chair. You see... We are simply outmatched, great prince. My counsel is that we wait until we know more. At any rate, how could we possibly take the offensive at this moment? Our leadership has been wiped off the planet. Even with your troops added to our own, we're grossly outnumbered. I did not invite you all here, the baron interrupted, to discuss battle plans. That time has long passed. We are hopelessly outnumbered and outmatched. Neither Vlad's power nor my talents could stand against the spear. It's a fact, beyond debate. Yet wars are not only always won on the battlefield. I have asked you all here to discuss an alternate means of victory. I wish to discuss the Eye of Odin. (gasps) 
An audible hush fell over the room. More Norse mythology? What's the Eye of Odin? Max asked, feeling naive even as he spoke. Legend tells of an amulet called the Eye of Odin that was forged by the dwarf lord Regin. If the stories are true, the Eye is one of the most powerful objects ever created. No kingdom, no king, and no creature could stand against its subtle enchantment. Thankfully, before it could be used against humanity, the amulet disappeared. Some claim it has slipped into the sea. Others say it was melted in the hearts of a living volcano. None knows for certain, though, and so the legend grows. Even if this trinket of yours exists, it surely isn't a match for the spear, spoke Ulysses, sarcasm lacing his every word. I don't know, Norse mythology against Norse mythology. Kane shook his head. The eye is not an offensive weapon like a sword or spear. Its power is more basic. That is, anyone who wears the amulet can steal the essence from anything they touch, be it rock, tree, magician, or fairy. <laughs> that is what you offer? The Grand Seneschal Short snorted. Believe me, Ulysses, it's quite enough, Cain replied. When the essence is drawn forth, the wearer of the amulet has the choice to do whatever he wants with the power. Imagine, if you will. The wearer were to keep the power he stole for his own purposes. The owner of the eye would essentially become an unstoppable parasite, jumping from one victim to the next until he was omnipotent and entirely beyond the challenge of anyone in this room, including the power of our esteemed guest, Lord Dracula. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. okay. Uh-oh. Silence filled the room. Why would you seek such a powerful object? Ulysses argued. Better to keep it hidden lest it fall into the wrong hands. Because with the eye, Cain answered, we could significantly change the balance of power without shedding a drop of blood. Flod rose. So where is this eye of Odin that can siphon off the power of the spear? Cain signaled for Logan to approach the table. The Scotsman had been hiding in the shadows, and as the assembled knights cleared a path, Max could see that Logan was carrying an old box the size of a briefcase. Logan set it on the desk next to Baron Lundgren and slowly opened the lid. With careful hands, Logan pulled out a book bound in cracked leather with a thick strand of string wrapped tightly around its cover. This book is the final diary of Lord Saxon, Kane proclaimed as the Scotsman handed him the diary. In it, the author tells of a journey into the underworld. It was a treacherous journey, yet he escaped, chronicling his entire expedition. Did he find the weapon? inquired Dracula. He did, though it nearly cost Lord Saxon his life. Indeed, it may well cost us our own in the end. He paused, looking out over the audience as if measuring the strength of their hearts. The Eye of Odin is our only hope of defeating Lord Sumner, and thanks to Saxon's diary, we know where to find it. Even so, time is against us. Lord Sumner has the spear. All that remains is for him to locate the world tree into which we all know the spear must be driven. Max looked up anxiously. He'd never heard of the world tree before, but Cain didn't seem interested in explaining. He hasn't heard of anything before. This is no small task, Cain continued. But it is not beyond Lord Sumner, I think. Yes? Uh, can we stop reading for tonight?
I just kind of stop, want to stop reading right now. I don't know why. Okay. Do you want to... There's only two more pages. Are you sure? Yes. Uh, can you make me the Winter's please? Absolutely. Um, let me just finish this paragraph, though. So that we'll, sounds like a very good idea. We'll get you to can an, finish the page. Okay. Well, we'll just get to a natural end, okay? <laughs> good idea. Blah, blah, blah. This is no small task. <laughs> Within a month, perhaps, a bit longer, he'll have solved this last riddle. Then, heaven help us all. So you propose to set out immediately on this quest of yours? Vlad inquired. Kane shook his head. Not yet. I'm afraid there are things we must do first to prepare. One cannot simply walk into the underworld and snatch the eye of Odin from its resting place as easily as pulling an apple from a barrel. Dracula raised a threatening finger toward Cain. Then take your month to prepare, but take no longer. If you have not secured the amulet by then, I will take matters into my own hands, and I cannot promise you will approve of my methods. All right, there's only one and a half pages left. I know, but this book loves to end chapters on cliffhangers. Um. <sighs> All right. There's a shadow on the gym door that looks like a ghost of Ivan. All right, you ready? So nervous. Yes. Early in the next morning. I thought this was supposed to be official Greg Griffin business, Natalia commented, looking directly at Max as she joined Brooke and the other Griffins under the looming trees of Mystic Bay Park. In Natalia's mind, Brooke Lundgren represented everything she hated, a pampered princess who didn't deserve half the attention she got. The Griffins were... Like, listen to herself later, right? Baby, do you want to listen now or not? I do. I'm just okay, sure listen now. The Griffins were once again bundled in winter, winter gear. The weather had taken another turn for the worse. Dark clouds sat motionless overhead, choking out the sun, and a creeping mist hung over the streets, slithering here and there, making it impossible to see so much as six inches in front of your nose. It was dark, damp, dismal, and none of the Griffins wanted to be there. Were it not for Max's urgent message, they'd still have been in bed, warm and considerably less soggy. I'm sorry. Brooke apologized to Natalia. Maybe I should go. She rose and turned in the direction of her house. Hold on. Max pulled Brooke back and faced his friends. A lot of stuff has happened that I have to tell you guys, and I need Brooke here to back me up. Is that so? Natalia placed her hands on her hips and arched a disapproving eyebrow in Max's direction. Well, this had better be good, Grayson Sumner. Logan told you not to go out wandering alone, and here you are, inviting us to a secret meeting in a foggy park. At least there's a dragon slide. It's not nice today, Natalia replied, and we're taking a risk just being here. I don't care if it's across from Brooke's house. It's a stupid idea. I know, but it was the only place my dad would let me go, Brooke said. She was truly apologetic. He probably has Throckmorton spying on me. Harley had had enough. Stop griping, Natalia. We're here already, so let's just listen to what Max has to say. 
With Brooke filling in the gaps, Max spun his tale about the meeting, Vlad's appearance, the crows, and his suspicion of a supernatural stalker following him around. Probably hasn't talked in a while. The Griffins looked at one another uncomfortably. They were fairly certain that one way or the other, they'd end up looking for the Eye of Odin down in the underworld. That's the way these things always seem to work. Hey, there they are again, Max exclaimed, pointing to the few nearby ravens that had perched on the snout of the dragon slide, which looked eerily alive in the half-lighted fog. Those are the same stupid birds I keep telling you about. At that exact moment, the temperature dropped. See what I mean? Max complained. Suddenly, the entire park was filled with an endless sea of ravens. And then the laughter came. Like a haunting melody, it rolled over the children, chilling them to the core. The fog was too thick, though. They couldn't see a thing. I told you we shouldn't have come here, Natalia reminded them. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should make like a banana and split, added Ernie, as he backed away from the raven that had landed a little too close. I'm with you, Brooke agreed. Then the birds attacked. It started with one, but soon the entire flock of hundreds was diving at the griffins, pulling at Harley's jacket, tugging Natalia's braids, and swarming over Max's backpack. The angry raven snapped at his fingers whenever Max got close to the latch where the codex rested. Forget the codex, Harley yelled, waving his fists at the black tempest of feathers and claws. Use the fire! Max tried, but no fire came. His mind seemed to fog over, and there, standing amidst a flurry of wings, Max could see sharp fangs. There was no body, though, only a menacing smile shrouded in the mist. It drew closer until Max realized there were invisible fingers around his throat, slowly tightening. He began to choke as the other griffins fought for their lives under the barrage of furious ravens. And just then, the headlights of a black sedan flooded the park, and a car skidded to a halt. The doors burst open, and Logan and Soren raced out, the ravens retreated into the murky sky just as the invisible fingers relaxed from around Max's throat. 